Everyone. Every book. Every second is magical. This is our every. Everyone. Every book. Every second is magical. This is our every. Hi, and welcome back to Every. Thank you for tuning in for our second episode. Before we begin this week's chapter, there are a few things that I'd like to announce. First, we have decided to begin the long and grueling process of designing and creating the hardback editions of the books. They won't be released until the last is finished, but I am looking for ideas to keep the three in theme, beautifully created. I want them to be special editions with drawings and notes from my personal archives. Second, I have decided to include book reviews after our chapter reading and have two books currently to be read. I have generously added The Year Before the End by Vidar Hochstad from a request from Instagram and my new book club, The Book Club, on Facebook will be reading The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. As soon as I can, I'll get the review of these two books together and we'll get them into an episode as soon as it's done. Now, when we left Every last week, we all learned about the new king of Sokol's dark past. Dover was cast out of his home after watching his best friend punished and failing to be able to wield dark magic. He searched the world of Every to find the only person that can help him create the world he foresaw and married the queen of Sokol. But before he could celebrate, Dover's family attacked the new threat to their empire. Dover was forced to kill most of his family, but then the hole that was eaten through his heart by the grief and sorrow over the loss of his family was eventually filled with generations of new children that brought hope for his future. Now, as we begin the first chapter, keep in mind King Dover's days are well past. His tasks and trials are hidden in the history books and lost to the new generations. And so, we begin in Sokol, the center of Every, stationed along the dire strait, the central part of Every. Flags are flying high, spirits are soaring, and everyone is looking forward to celebrating the name day of Prince Anar. Every, Darkness Descending, Chapter 1 Name Day Your Grace, they have arrived. And so it begins. King Christoph Sokol looked up from his desk and nodded. A low, short growl from the great black wolf in the corner accompanied King Christoph's assistant, Trent, into the room. I see. Abner, settle. King Christoph had been watching the progress of the two incoming royal processions since early morning. From the top of the highest tower that he had claimed as his study, his ever-watchful, hawk-like eyes could see the view of the land surrounding the kingdom. The panoramic windows of the room showed the sweeping plains of the Sokol kingdom and the bright, clear skies in which its people flew. 
His wings brushed the floor as he moved out of his chair to the window overlooking the courtyard, his heart wishing he could soar across the plateau and be free to enjoy the sun shining on his skin. King Kristoff and his queen had been making preparations for months for their heir's coming-of-age hunt. Hanar's twentieth name-day celebrations were to be unique as the neighboring kingdoms were invited to attend and participate. Looking at the schedule for the week's activities, he sighed deeply. His hunt, the taming of Avnor, wedding, and crowning ceremonies were foremost in his mind as his son's quest drew closer. Trent, see to it that we give them every accommodation. We cannot have our visiting neighbors uncomfortable during this time. Trent nodded and began writing his instructions in the tablet he always carried with him, as King Kristoff thought. I have to choose from them which will marry my heir. Trent's wings twitched as he thought, their cream color rustling lightly. <clears throat> I have placed King Ifri's Maj and his Simbai, Queen Leah, in the west wing near the orchard. It will make them more comfortable to be surrounded by the trees. King Kristoff nodded his agreement and gestured to continue. Make sure that they have separate accommodation, Trent. I do not want any complaints. Trent nodded. <coughs> Queen Sandria Lysica, near the open areas of the garden. I will ask her if she would appreciate separate accommodations for her consort, Borun. King Kristoff waved dismissively as he turned back to the window to watch. Oh, and Trent? Tell my son I await his attendance upon me. Impatiently. We have matters to discuss. With a graceful bow, Trent glided out of the door, silently, to attend to the tasks with haste. Oh, it will be useful to have Trent with me this week. I know my hunt was an ordeal to plan and execute. His attention to detail will be a lifesaver. This week entails so much more than mine did. Abner put up a good fight and the injury I received from him still aches when it rains. Christoph, standing in the window watching his countryside, as he did most mornings, looked back into his memory at his hunt. A worried frown placed itself upon its brow. Christoph's hunt had taken him north, toward the white dust icy plains. There, Abnor had been terrorizing the frozen villages, killing small children daily. Before he could dwell on the subject for too long, Abnor let out a happy yip and ran, tail-wagging, to the side of Queen Aran before she got to the door. So what troubles my heart's wind so much that you frown on this beautiful day? I can feel your tension like a bowstring strung too tight. Aran gracefully walked through the wide door, her wings tucked to her back so she wouldn't ram the door frame with them, patting the wolf's head as she passed him. She entwined her arms in Kristoff's and gazed down into the courtyard. The feathers on her wings were the color of milk chocolate, a perfect complement to her skin, which glowed as rich and dark as a coffee bean. Small golden teardrops draped random feathers, creating a light tinkling sound as she moved. Golden-tipped feathers graced her eyes, shimmering in the light with the joy of her heart. Today. She had the royal colors on and outshined all others in Kristoff's eyes. Her dress, dark and stormy, shifting from light to dark with each gesture, was trimmed in the softest velvet that matched the color of her wings perfectly. Stretching its wings across her midsection proudly, 
The hawk belt she wore shone brightly, displaying the sigil of her house. My dearest sunshine, my mind creates impossible scenarios of danger which our son might face. He began pacing the study as the thoughts ran through his mind. I am filled with our excitement for our son and his marriage, and this is the first time in our history our kingdom will see a crowned princess who is not a born Sokol and has never tasted the wind beneath her wings. The prospective women before us do not even have wings. Queen Erin laughed lightly and wrapped her husband in a loving hug. The kingdom will not accept the arrangement, and we will lose control of our people. Our unity is paramount for dealing with the royal families. King Kristoff kissed the top of his wife's head, and she relished their closeness before she pushed him back to see his face, her hands lightly laying on his chest. Ah, oh, Erin sighed heavily, letting her hands fall to her sides. As I suspected, you are up here in your tower, worrying and planning instead of acting. You will meet the young princesses, and Hannah will have to put him through his tests to determine their worth to him. And if we, or he, do not find them acceptable, we may opt to choose among the houses of the lesser lords. Certainly, I would not prefer to do so, as the lord's daughters lack wit. They do not amuse me. She paused, and she gave the king a deep frown, her gestures indicating she would rather be anywhere else than with those ladies. I know we agreed that a marriage alliance will bring the strait closer, but I fear these lesser ladies may do more harm than good. I'm not a seer, though I wish we had one. All we hear is the darkness whispering in the wind, and it frightens even the children. I only hope the other kingdoms heed our warnings of the dark times to come. Now come, why do we wait? We have duties to attend to. Anne turned to leave, watching the king from the corner of her eye, expecting him to follow her down to the entrance hall. King Kristoff grasped her hand and turned her back to him. Hannah and I must discuss his task before he meets these princesses. He must prepare to observe them from first sight. Would you receive our guests and make my apologies? I will be sure we will finish our discussion before the noontime feast. Kristoff kissed her cheek as she began to protest. The future of the kingdom relies on his understanding of the arrangements we have made in these last few months. I don't expect him to take the news very well. I fear he might already have an idea to whom he would be wed. Kristoff looked on his wife with a pleading expression, knowing that she could not resist the boyishly handsome face in front of her, his thoughts leading her to rebellion instead of submission. Disappointment filled King Kristoff's mind as he watched his queen's face turn sour. I will do so this one time, she sniped, as I know how much you adhor pomp and circumstance. However, you will not leave me alone to deal with it all week. With an angry tinkling of her feathers, she turned hastily on her heel and swept out the room. Abner whined pitifully from his bed as she left him with his master. With a crooked grin pasted on his face, King Kristoff longingly watched her hips sway back and forth 
as she made her way to the top of the stairs. Aaron paused only to kiss her eldest son on the top of his head as she passed him, throwing her husband a sultry look before descending the stairs. My king, you summon me. The deep, rough voice sounded from the midnight face of his eldest son as he bowed with grace that belied his size. Dark as ebony, with glimmering silver shining on the tips of his feathers, of his face and his wings, the young prince before him looked exactly like King Kristoff's father, King Hanner Sokol III. Prince Hanner Sokol had the unmistakable bearing of military training. Still, his father knew the tenderness for which he tamed the animals of the fields in service of his kingdom and the snarky conversations with his mothers in private times. King Kristoff's beastly companion sat up and took notice of Prince Hanner each time they were together. The wolf recognized the superior in the man. Abner sat at the prince's feet, awaiting a chance to get some attention. <clears throat> yes, Hanner, my intelligent, handsome son. You need to be informed before you meet your guests. What task will be assigned to you this week? Your mother and I have held several councils regarding your arrangements with our neighboring kingdoms. As you are no doubt aware, we will fill this week with events in your honor. On your name day, you will journey to the prayer rock to commune with the gods and begin your own hunt. When you return, we will celebrate your bonding with your animal companion with a large banquet. In the consecutive days, you will be married and crowned as heir to the throne. Your wedding will be the day after you return with the coronation plan the day after that. Have you given any thought to whom you would choose? Please, please make this easy on me, son. I don't enjoy hurting you, the king begged inwardly. King Christoph stood in his formal dress suit, a design by his wife for the week's royal activities, and fidgeted slightly, waiting for his son to answer. Dark as the night before a hurricane, the jacket fit snugly against his broad shoulders, displaying a black velvet hawk in glorious flight on his right breast. King Christoph himself bore the color of wet sand on his skin, pale compared to that of his son. Feathers the color of fresh cream surrounded his beady eyes, which burned like little black coals, adding silver to the coloring of his facial features. Christoph's wings were cookies and cream dotted and silky to the touch. He watched his son's movement with extreme concern creasing his face as the man before him moved gracefully into a plush chair. Prince Hanner sat back, his hands folded in front of his face, composed and calm. Are you worried, as my king, that I will do my duty and marry that of whom you set before me? He paused, watching the face of his elder closely. Hmm, should I tell him I have a lady in mind? Would it ease his fatherly heart to know that I have been thinking of the future and enjoying life rather than working hard to learn everything that I need? Or do I tell the truth and satiate the king who will decree I take a wife I know very little about? Sometimes I wish I had been seeing a woman, but a prince's work is never done. He rose his eyes to meet his father's with false confidence filling his voice. Is it possible my father is concerned that, by chance, my heart's wind has been taken and I am not informed you yet? Are you worried that you will hurt me with the pronouncement forthcoming from your lips? 
Hanner's statement produced the slightest wince from his father, confirming his concern. Sighing, Hanner leaned forward, allowing his face to soften, displaying the sadness of his masculine features. I have heard the wind whisper of my impairing marriage to one not of our kind, and yet it does not break my heart as I have not found my feathered mate. At last the prince looked to his feet in embarrassment. His royal friends had always teased him growing up, that he had not ventured into finding his feathered mate, as so many of them had. They loved to tell the elaborate stories of their adventures and setbacks with the lovely women of the kingdom. Prince Hanner had instead thrown his attention on learning the various topics needed to rule. Well educated in war and languages, Hanner had thrown his energy into learning to rule the kingdom instead of more meaningless pursuits. Quickly and lowly, he added, I don't mean to say I haven't found the Lord's daughters beautiful, cunning, obedient, and fast-flying. I have not met one which has stolen my heart's wind to fly upon. Only once had he considered giving his heart's wind away. It was just after his sixteenth name day. A young and brilliant woman had captured his attention. The relationship intensified quickly, and Prince Hanner was wrapped around her little finger. That was until he accidentally walked up into a conversation between her and her confidant in the gardens. He learned that day what lengths women like her would go to to become queen and live the life of a rich and comfortable woman. With a sigh of relief, the king sat back in his chair and began the low laugh of a father who finds his child most amusing. No, <laughs> you wouldn't have, would you? Not you. Your sister fawns over every color feather there is. Your brother looks to the sky each time someone flies over to see if they have the grace and speed to keep up with him, even at his young age. He is so sure of his skills. You look for personality, loyalty, intelligence. Yes, I should have guessed you would have heard the winds tell you of what is coming, or your mother told you. King Christophe laughed as the prince began to vehemently deny the conversations. We have included the princesses in attendance for the coronation in your hunt. They will participate in the hunt itself, nothing else. Of them, you will decide which you will wed. Use their knowledge and speed to capture the greatest animal you can. Protect them well, but do not risk your hunt for them. King Christoph took a breath, unable to explain to his son the importance of the task as tradition demanded he learns on the prayer rock of the coming events. I will instruct them to assist you without interfering. Your hunt is the most important trial before you can be married. Without completing it, you cannot be crowned. I know in my mind you will vanquish or tame easily whatever you come across. Pausing, he watched as Abner pawed at his son's foot. Fear not your future. Your mother has declared if you do not choose from the princesses, if they do not meet your standards, you will be free to choose from the lords. But choose you must. Your wedding and coronation will be at the end of the week, just as mine and my father's was before me. Now, since we have that out of the way, 
I promised your mother we wouldn't wait too long and leave her the burden of entertaining our guest by herself. Go to her, kiss her, and tell her I will join her in a few minutes. I have arrangements to make before you begin your hunt. Promptly, the dark prince stood and bowed with the grace beyond his years, and marched down the stairs he had greeted his mother on not too long before. If it burdened his heart with the weight of choosing his mate from those below, it did not show. King Christoph turned back to his memory again, and allowed himself to relive his father telling him of his duties the week of his twentieth name day. He had to protect only the two guards they allowed him to take with him. His son would have four more to add to his stress as he accomplished his task. I really wish I had better options for him. I hope he has the strength to test these high-born ladies well before he chooses his queen. It could spell disaster for all of us if the one he wants is not true. The darkness is close, and he will need every bit of her support to survive it with the kingdom intact. As Christoph returned to work before him, he took a moment to watch Abner. The great wolf had returned to his bed and looked at him. It is his turn to find his life companion, Abner. What should we think of that, old friend? Hanner strode purposefully down the stairs and stopped at the bottom. He closed his eyes against the onslaught of emotions welling up inside his mind. Military training had given him the tools needed to discuss the sensitive topics without flinching, but his mind still reeled. Leaning against the wall for support, he allowed his head to rest on the cold stone. Overpowered by the daunting task placed before him in the coming week, he shuddered. I have trained for this. I have learned everything there is to know about my role this week. At least I thought I did. I don't think I am prepared to protect some simpering women while trying to tame a wild beast. Prince Hanner gathered his wits and prepared himself for the afternoon. His inner thoughts continued to wage war with his emotions as he struggled to regain his grip on his predicament. Within a week, he not only would have to fight and tame a wild beast, but he would have to find a master for his heart. The latter subject reminded him of his past tryst, and fear filled his heart. He had known for a while love would not be a factor in his marriage, but he had hoped he would be able to fall in love with the woman he chose. He had severe doubts about loving someone from a completely different background and country. The day would be a long one, he well knew, Hannah refused to allow his personal feelings to cloud his judgment. The princesses were important to the future of his kingdom and the neighboring nations. He would do everything within his power to secure the best alliance possible. Prince Hannah pushed himself off the wall defiantly. Without further ado, he made his way to the interest hall to greet the royal guests streaming in from the castle courtyards. Chapter 2 Coven Castle in the darkness of early morning, King Froy Unicorneth awoke to the pain of memories flooding his dreams. Sitting up on the side of the bed, he laid his head in his hands and wished the memories didn't invade the peace of his sleep. Looking up, he noted that they had placed a goblet on the bedside table. Its foul stench wafted through the air. Shaking his head, he lifted the cup to his lips and drew in a deep drink. Infused unicorn blood tasted like drinking spiced oil. 
King Froy chugged down the drink, knowing it was the only thing keeping him alive. Silently, he wished he could bring back his family from the grips of death, so that he could at least have something to live for besides vengeance. Froy stood and began his day preparing to listen to the reports of his generals in the war room down the hall. Oh, my mother would murder these nobles for the way they have defected her empire. Father would burn their kingdoms to the ground. I am not them, however. I only wish my family was back in one piece. So I plot, I plan, and I wait. I will return this pathetic excuse of a kingdom to an empire greater than that of my own parents' vision. None would dare defect when I am finished. My uni will see to that. Their skills are being honed so they can fit into any situation without detection. Several have infiltrated the kingdoms already. King Froy entered the war room, and immediately ten men stood and saluted, all with military backgrounds. These were the men Froy trusted the most in the castle. They began the reports on the wealth of the kingdom, the magical barrier that shielded the island from view from all other seafaring creatures was holding up, as it had since Froy had summered it years ago. King Froy's attention drifted off as he listened. Nothing had changed in the last few months. A new voice sounded from the back of the room once the older man became quiet. King Froy stood as anger filled his voice. Who allows you to disturb this meeting? Who do you think you are, child? His eyes flashed red as his stare landed on a young man bowing at the entrance to the room. Cloaked for traveling, the lack of hair could only distinguish the figure as a man. Anger grew palpable in the place as the men waited for the young man to answer. Standing... And removing his hood, the young Prince Kyer addressed the assembly in a confident and proud voice. I am Crown Prince Kyer's image. Against my father's will and knowledge, I come to you to pledge my allegiance to the Empire. I also bring you news that you might want to hear. King Froy laughed loudly, startling some of the less seasoned men. How dare you assume I want to hear any of your dribble spewing from your mouth. Speak quickly before I send your head to your father. Visibly shaking with his efforts to prevent himself from killing the prince instantly, King Froy stood in front of the prince and waited impatiently. Your Grace, they summoned me to the celebrations of Prince Henner's circles coming of age and crowning ceremonies. My presence will give you the insight you need into the Straits' alliances. I'm strategically placed to help you bring down this alliance before it has even begun. The prince is to marry outside the Sokol Kingdom at the end of the week. My sister is one of the princesses for which the prince must choose. I will report back nightly on their whereabouts and progress. I will even hire an assassin for you if you desire. King Froy stilled, his anger vanishing as he thought of the possibilities. Control of three of the kingdoms would be at his fingertips. He could take advantage of the boy's closeness to the events of the week to prepare to strike a blow at the ever-interfering Sokol Kingdom. 
He nodded and gestured to the prince to join him for his noonday meal. You will do exactly as I say. I am glad to see you have the power of teleportation. It will be useful to me. Oh, I should pluck out his feathers one by one, slowly. Agitated at Christophe's absence from the greeting party, Erin maintained her outward smile and composure. At the same time she bowed for the sixth, or was this the seventh royal family member to greet her as they entered the castle? When the invitations went out to the royal families of the strait, they answered them with haste and hope. Queen Erin, bowing to young Princess Abby Lysica and her twin brother Bastion, third in line to inherit the Lysican throne, realized why. The people were so desperate to have something to unite them. They have brought babes to be viewed as potential queens. Princess Abby bowed awkwardly to her, confirming she was not as old as she seemed. The dress she wore was cut low to give her the appearance of an advanced age. Her ears, low and small for the fox-like creatures, gave away her immaturity. It is the custom of the Lysican people to pierce the tips of the ears of women who have come into womanhood, their childbearing and marriage years. This little one's beautiful red ears were not even tall enough to support the change they would use as decor for formal occasions, as her mother, Queen Sandria, gracefully displayed above her crown. Mother! Starting her out of her inner outrage, Queen Erin looked to her right where her family stood beside her in the welcome line, noting with pride her eldest son's appearance. As greeting, he leaned down and placed a kiss upon her golden feathered cheek. Father said he would be down in a minute. Prince Henner smiled at his mother as she rolled her eyes out of the view of her guests. So, he means to skip out on me again. He will not have the last laugh. How did the news of your marriage affect you, my son? Hannah made himself acknowledge the younger Zimaj princess before he answered his mother. It was as we discussed. He feared for my heart, and that it had already been taken. Have you greeted any which you would speak with, to know them better? Any who would grant you the most beautiful grandchildren, which your sweet, loving heart desires? Glancing at the parties that have already passed, he looked questioningly at his mother. She laughed at her inner wandering earlier. Princess Lista's Maj greeted Queen Erin with a perfect curtsy and quickly moved toward her parents, tailing her father with a defiant, uninterested gaze. I believe the young redhead to your left with Queen Zandria might give you a run for your gold. Or your little brother's toys. She laughed lightly at her son as she showed the princess she had been pondering just moments before. Your sister, however, seems enamored with the young Prince de Vilsimage over there, for as she spoke, the princess was blushing and exchanging pleasantries with the prince. Both seemed to not want to wait around their elders, eager to be whispering about their hope of activities. They stopped whispering together as they caught sight of the queen's gaze, her daughter blushing and bowing the prince on down the receiving line. My queen, came a whisper from across the room, the page bowing low as he sent the whisper on the wind directly to her ears. Feast is prepared, the table is set. Shall I announce? 
Looking around for her husband, Aaron sighed heavily before she could form the first word to address her guest. The trumpet sounded announcing King Kristoff into the hall. With his wings wide open and his hands open in the traditional greeting of welcome, King Kristoff strode into the room. Welcome, my royal guest. May the winds aid in the lift of your heart. May the seasons be fruitful, and may the flight of your life be very long. I believe our feast is prepared. Let us dine. He gestured to the servants to open the dining hall and led the guests to their chairs. As Christophe came to stand by Aaron to usher the guests into the banquet hall, he kissed her head. See, my love, I didn't leave you to everything. The sly smile on his face told of the complete accident of his arrival at the exact time the feast was ready. His arm wrapped around her waist lovingly. You're still not forgiven yet, she smiled back at him, knowing she couldn't stay mad at him for long. I've made all arrangements for tomorrow. Trent is sending someone flying out to the prayer rock to attend to the preparations after this evening's tasks are complete. Together the royal couple strolled arm in arm into the dining hall after the guest, his mind on the conversations looming in the evening, knowing some will be very difficult to get through. The banquet hall housed the unique table the founder of the Sokol household had made to illustrate the equal rule of the king and the queen. The head of the table was just wide enough for two, while the length could fit fifty people comfortably. The royal couple sat in their traditional spots. Queen Sandria sat to Queen Erin's right, emphasizing her feminine strength. King Ifri to King Kristoff's left in the masculine place of honor. His Simbai, Queen Leah, to his left with her sister-wives, Queen Simash, and Estra to her left. The princes and princesses were all scattered down the length of the table to provide a better conversation. Princess Abby and her twins sat toward the end of the table with the smaller children, who were all engrossed in finding out who could eat more food than whom. Prince Kyre and Princess Halley sat next to each other, discussing their favorite pastimes and planning outings for the week. Much laughter and polite conversation filled the table, while the guests dined on roasted pheasant, sweet potatoes, green beans, corn, and buttered rolls until everyone at the table was content. Prince Hanner spied halfway through the meal a young Lysican woman slip into the door quietly to not attract any attention. His eyes followed her progress to the empty chair, two down from her mother. Her fur, strawberry blonde, and the way they dressed her intrigued him. She had hurried to sit, but his hawk eyes still noted the rough riding boots under her hastily donned dress. Her hair piled on her head spoke of haste grooming on the run some still tangled in the chain hanging delicately between her ear tips. As she sat, she winced and pulled a circlet from behind her belt, slammed it onto her brow. Yet another wince played across her face when she noticed her mother's eyes upon her with a fierce frown. Hastily he turned his attention to the princess speaking at his side to save her further embarrassment. The princess to whom he returned his attention had been one of the Zmaj, her yellow snake-like eyes looked at him questioningly, waiting for an answer to the question he had not heard. The scales covering her head shone bright and emerald green, except for just above her eyes, which were a dull yellow. 
The yellow followed the lines of her brow all the way around to the base of her neck, the color accenting her lack of hair. A beautiful, delicate red circlet sat just above the ridges on her brow, acknowledging her royal lineage. Her throat and chest contrasted the deep green of her head in a lighter shade, continuing down the inner aspects of her arms and palms. She was dressed in the formal black of her family, the dress cut in a square to follow the line of her lighter scales. A red snake brooch rested at the hem of her neckline in between her ample breasts. Hanner quickly racked his memory for the elusive question and answered with haste, returning his attention to the conversation at hand. He couldn't tell if the princess was pleased with his quick answer and kept eyeing the other princess down the table. The young Lysican princess seemed distracted as she ate, poking at her food without looking up. It was then that Queen Sandria spoke for the first order of business discussed at the meal. "'Your Highnesses, I do not have the pleasure of knowing the details of this hunt. I wish my daughters to participate as you have asked of us, but I want to be sure that they will be safe. Please enlighten us on these dealings.' The interest in her eyes stated that she did not want her heir harmed for no man, even if it meant she would be the queen that would unite the kingdoms. Yes, please illustrate the tasks ahead for our daughters to complete, that we may better prepare them. King Ifri looked eagerly to King Christoph for answers. Shall we retire to the war room to better discuss the details, then? Only royals are privy to the circumstances of the hunt and the events that follow. I would like to keep it as such. The agreement sounded around the table and the royals stood to leave. Acknowledging those left behind, they set out to begin planning the events of the week. There are many details of the festivities which must be agreed upon before they can continue planning. It was a grim task set in front of the king, explaining the unique traditions of the royal couple to those who do not listen to the winds. King Christoph inwardly cringed and sent a prayer up to the gods, and led the way to the war room for a lengthy discussion. Thank you all for listening in today to the first and second chapters of Every. What did you think about the characters? Can Hannah figure out what to do with his ritual and the new hurdle of his marriage? Let me know what you think. Give us a shout out at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We look forward to the next time and our new book reviews when they're ready. Thank you all. See you later. Interested in hearing more? Have a question? Want the book? Find us on Facebook, Goodreads, and Twitter under every E-V-E-R-I. Catch the novels and audiobooks on Amazon and Audible. Shoot me some discussion questions. Catch you next time. Every.
Interested in hearing more? Have a question? Want the book? Find us on Facebook, Goodreads, and Twitter under every E-V-E-R-I. Catch the novels and audiobooks on Amazon and Audible. Shoot me some discussion questions. Catch you next time. Every.